Bernard back in February of this year. Uh, there was a student-led prayer and, and praise service that sparked a three-week event that saw thousands of people coming together and praying and uh, worshiping God. came to be called the Asbury Revival because it was at Asbury College in Kentucky. made national headlines. Um, and you know, depending on what you read during that revival, there were, there were people who hailed this event as a new move of God among students and many others. There were also all sorts of people who decried the Asbury Revival as just an emotional show and not a move of God at all. And I bring that up to just get us thinking in the mode that a serious danger for us as Christians is to fall into one of two extremes. One is to think that every work of God that doesn't fit into our particular theological camp or denomination or little box must not be from God. The other is for us to think that everything that looks like it could be from God must be from God. These are both very real possibilities. Think, think, think historically. Think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees with Jesus, right? Jesus comes. He does not fit into their preconceived notions of what the Messiah would look like. And so they reject him. Because they had already decided how the Messiah should exactly be and how he should fulfill Old Testament prophecy. And when he didn't do it the way they thought, they rejected him. But also the more modern examples. Y'all ever heard of Benny Hinn? Who Benny Hinn is? Massive crusades! Right? I mean, he'd have these arena events with you know, 23,000 people out there. He would tell people, you know, you got to give... Give God a thousand dollars and God will bless you a hundredfold. But that really never sent him a thousand dollars. But anyway, saw this one video where he was preaching about healing and he, he lined up all these wheelchairs on the edge of stage. And as he's preaching about healing, he'd walk over and he'd kick the wheelchairs off the stage. There weren't people in there. <laughs> right? We got people up there in the wheelchairs. So quite a spectacle. I mean, hundreds of thousands of people would, would buy into this. What's fascinating is, just last year, he came out and denounced his, his prosperity and health and wealth teaching as unbiblical. But then he got asked what about all the people who uncritically bought into it.
talks about a topic, and then he goes off on some other topics, and then he'll pick that same topic up sort of again, and he'll add something to it. And this is one of those Sundays where he does that. Um, he's circling back. He's going to circle back to the idea of false teachers and antichrists. Let's just read the passage real quick. First John chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming, and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. But we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So we're back to false prophets and antichrists and that sort of thing. And remember, back in chapter 2, John pointed out that there is an antichrist, capital A, coming. And that, in fact, many had already come. Many had come in the mold of that antichrist. And he used that to point out that we're in the last hour because of that. The last period of time before the Lord returns to set up his kingdom and, and bring this age to a close. Now back in chapter 2, just as a little review, he defines antichrist, or the spirit of antichrist, as teachers who deny fundamental truths about Jesus and seek to deceive others away from the truth. Things like, Jesus is, you know, is he really the promised one in the Old Testament? Or did he really come in the flesh? Or is he really God? Or, or a whole host of other things. In other words, the Antichrist really is, is anyone who denies the apostles and the gospel teaching about the real Jesus. Hence the name, anti-against Now here he's, he's echoing that same idea in this passage. Now, it helps us a little bit if we understand kind of the early church context that John was dealing with. In the early church, there's a lot of people going out preaching. And not all of them are on the up and up. Does that sound familiar? Funny how a couple thousand years not much has changed, right? Because there's lots of people out there running around and they're not on the up and up either. Here's some examples. Remember back to Acts chapter 13, okay? Paul encounters this guy named Bar-Jesus, right? Which in Aramaic means son of Jesus. And he was a false prophet who opposed Paul. If you read the letter to the Galatians, Paul refutes this group called the Judaizers in Galatians. They had come to the Galatian church, and they were trying to claim that these, the Galatians needed to follow the law as interpreted by the Pharisees in order to be saved. And these people caused a lot of problems for the Galatians, and Paul's letter is sent to them to correct this false teaching. He's trying to get them back on the right path. They've fallen for it, right? That's what he tells them. He's getting about two-thirds through the letter. What did he say? You foolish Galatians. What did the witch do? There was those who came to Corinth claiming to be apostles and spreading false teachings. Paul calls out the church for tolerating 
this false teaching in 2 Corinthians 11. Look what he says in verses 4 and 5. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaim, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. They were, they were like, oh, yeah, that's a God. And then he says, indeed, I consider I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Right? There are these people claiming to be really awesome. And who knows what they were doing. But they were obviously teaching a different gospel. Paul calls the church out for tolerating it. So false teachers have abounded since day one. And John and Paul and readily call these false teachers out. They warn us we need to be wise about who we listen to. And so we're told we need to test the spirits of all teachers. 1 John 4, 1. Go back now. Love, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So John instructs us that we're not just to believe anyone and everything that comes down the pipe claiming to be from God, claiming to be Christian. But to test the spirits of those who claim to be speaking for Jesus. Now, now, when he says that, to our ears, at least to my ears, that's kind of a weird phrase, don't you think? Test the spirits. Exactly. We don't really use language like that, right? To refer to another person too often. I mean, occasionally you might say, well, you know, so and so has a, they have a really, great, really good spirit. We don't really talk about that. So, so to clear, clear this up a little bit, we can look at Peter's comment about the origin of the message of those who speak for God. Because he says in 2 Peter 1.21, No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke to God, and they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So Peter tells us, pretty straightforward, when the prophet spoke, it was according to the Holy Spirit's inspiration. So the Spirit is that part that's generating the, the message. Now, if that's true of a real prophet, then you have to ask yourself, where does the message of the false prophet come from? There's only two options. It's their own spirit. Maybe they're just a shyster. Right? Maybe they're just out to make a buck. Or, the message is coming from the spirits of evil for the world. See the case, clearly not from God. See, we don't tend to think, I don't know, I, I just don't run into this much, where we think much about, about the possibility of, of spiritual or demonically inspired influence behind a lot of what goes on. But that's a very real possibility that, that some of these speakers are speaking are, are influenced by dark forces. There's a spiritual battle going on all the time. The Bible makes it clear that there's a spiritual battle. And one of the great tools of evil is the false teacher, leading people astray. Just as one of God's greatest tools, tools is the preaching of the truth of Jesus. J.B. Phillips says in his book, Your God is Too Small, we are so accustomed by modern thought to regard evil as just error, as the growing pains of civilization, or simply as an inexplicable problem, that the mind does not readily accept what is 
in effect, God's own explanation that there is a spirit of evil operating in the world. The Bible regularly affirms there's a spiritual realm populated by beings both good and evil. And those beings have agendas. The agenda of the holy angels is to do God's will and minister to his people. Hebrews 1.14. The agenda of the bad guys to create pain and spread chaos and evil and keep people from the truth and oppose God wherever and whenever possible. Think, think about this, even if I didn't have about We would need some sort of explanation for the level of coordinated evil in the world. I mean, yeah, I get it. People can be, can be pretty evil. But in general, people are also reasonably accomplished. And so, you know, worldwide organized evil is tough to come up with. If you just ascribe it to just humans. I mean, we're talking evil on the level of killing 6 million Jews. Khmer Rouge, right? 1.7 million people killed in Cambodia. Killing people. Kind of needs a deeper explanation. I mean, I could go on throughout history. The level of human suffering and brutality and evil really requires that there be some bigger explanation than just conquest and greed or, you know, that sort of thing. And then really the only explanation that makes sense, and certainly the biblical one, is that there are spiritual forces of darkness. They oppose God and they seek to hurt him by brutalizing his creation. And much of the evil we see in the world is because of that. It is these same spiritual forces of darkness that inspire the spirit of the false prophet and the false teacher to lead people away from the Savior Jesus into all sorts of bad ideas. False doctrines of demons and even cults. So we need to have some discernment about who we listen to and about what they say. We need to be wise in who we listen to. So that we don't get drawn in by some false teacher or false teaching and be led astray. Now, lest you think that uh, that probably going to happen a lot to people you know about, well, I'm just going to give you a few of my, my personal experiences. I've known several people who have gotten totally caught up in the whole prosperity gospel, health and wealth movement. Good, sincere people who start listening to Kenneth Copeland and Darren Prince and some of these guys, and pretty soon they're into all sorts of sorts of that destroyed my brother-in-law's health. When he first became a believer, he, was, he got really caught up in some of the health and wealth prosperity teachers. And for, I don't know, two months or something, he walked around with a penny in his shoe because this TV preacher had said that, you know, if you need to conquer something, you need to, you need to step on it. And it's what I There was some little bit of weird justification for it. And so since he was having financial See, you're all looking at me like weird, okay? I can introduce you to some flatterers. People who believe the Bible teach that the earth is flat. And there's a massive global conspiracy to cover up the fact that the earth is flat. Now, having flown to Europe, we look really around the world. Okay? Yeah. Okay. All right? Now, that one's 
that's kind of relatively harmless, I suppose, but I mean, it's just really strange. Right? I know a woman, now this is just one that's not so harmless. I know a woman who was told because of some things that had happened in her family, some failings that had taken place, which are not particularly her fault, uh, that she could really never be good enough or acceptable to you. Now that's not So we're going to test the spirits of our teachers so that things like that don't go on. What are we going to do? Well, John tells us. He says the test is what they confess. Let's look at verse 2 and 3 and verse 5. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. So the test of the false teacher is, what do they say about Jesus? And John, when he points out about Jesus coming in the flesh, he's pointing us to the idea of the real Jesus. Okay? It's, it's, so, it's sort of like, I think when I, when I think about that, and I think of these kind of situations, you almost want to like Peter, right? And Jesus says to him, who do you say that I am? Who do you say Jesus is? What do they teach about Jesus and his person and his work? So I, I saw this video clip on Friday of a fairly prominent megachurch, health and wealth frustrated gospel teacher. It is too blasphemous. I thought about showing it to you, but it's just too blasphemous. Now mind, now mind you, it's, it was so blasphemous. This guy was a preacher, okay, in a church. But this, this, what he said was so blasphemous, it made South Park look good. <laughs> and if you've ever seen South Park, you know there's, there's few things as blasphemous as South Park. Okay? Now, I'm, I'm not going to unfortunately say something that's not funny, too. But I'm telling you, that's super blasphemous. Okay? But here in that clip of this preacher, that there were, you know, you could see, oh, there were thousand people there, easy, probably more. Tells me everything I need to know that this guy's a false teacher because in it he compared Jesus to a stripper. Favorably. And you can see from the video that people were eating it up. And I'm trying not to put my hands to my iPad, you know? In I. Howard Marshall's commentary in 1 John, he says, it's tempting to ascribe any unusual phenomenon to the power of God. And in the early church, there was a tendency to regard any kind of unusual spiritual gift, or even tongues, as tongues or prophecy, as always being inspired by the Spirit of God, and therefore a sign of the validity and truth of what was said by the person possessed of the gift. So what he's saying there is that in the early church, just because somebody seemed to be gifted, they would immediately assume it had to be from God. And I'm going to tell you that I think our modern problem is pretty much the same. Somebody sounds real good, or they seem very gifted, and we just, you know, it looks like it's going well, and lots of whatever, and we suddenly assume that it must be from God. You know, uh, lots of people, I mean, there are lots of people listening to stripper preacher there. And, you know, it looked good, and I mean, um, they're probably in their church, the music was probably really tight, you know, there's a lot of money flowing in and right, big building, all that stuff, or whatever. And we tend to look at all that stuff and think, oh, God must be blessing that. But it could also be 
People like their ears tickled. They want to hear that God wants them to get everything that they want and that their problems are somebody else's fault. And whatever, that if they just put a quarter in their shoe, they can overcome their financial problems by taking a stand against that. I think that's what the message is, take a stand against it. And so John points all this out because he says the false teacher is worldly, and people are worldly and want the things of the world, right? What did he talk about before? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Another great commentator, Max Andrews, says, Antichrist and false prophets are cut out of the same piece of cloth as the world. As a result, they speak to the same values as the world, so the world listens to them. They are from the world, but we are from God. The world does not listen to the same God. That's pretty much the way it is, right? You just appeal to that, the worldly desire. God wants you to be healthy and rich. Or whatever it is. Or on the opposite end of the spectrum, the, the super ultra far right sort of stuff that God, God is gonna you know bless this because we're gonna go out and we're gonna you know take a stand and kill everybody in this particular party, or we're gonna hate these people, or we're gonna hate this, or we're gonna do that. You know, it's the same, it's the same spirit.
thousand resources to your library to get this and that and the big discount of price, yada yada. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, and so so because of that now, to give you an example, I think I have 47 commentaries in the gospel. But now, now if I'm gonna preach on the gospel, now I'm not gonna go to 47 gospels. There's a couple that I, I use most of the time. But if I decide I want to look into a new one, the first thing I do is I see who the author is, what their denominational background is, if they're a professor somewhere, which most of them are, and where they teach. Now that's not definitive about anything by any means. Um, but it helps. I can at least kind of know what their bent is going to be. Now I've got, some, I've got commentaries by some great Lutheran uh, professors that Top-notch. Uh, probably the greatest commentary on First Corinthians ever written was written by a guy named Dr. Gordon Fee, who was an Assemblies of God Pentecostal minister, and that commentary is absolutely this guy was a scholar of the degree. Absolutely top-notch. You guys damn don't know Gordon Fee. Everybody ever thought of any seminary knows Gordon Fee. Great stuff, right? Okay, so it doesn't tell you everything. It tells you something. I did the same thing when I read something on the internet. I want to know where the author's coming from. Because I can tell a lot about that, what she or he is coming from, like those backgrounds. Or, or you got to look into the, the, some of the backgrounds, maybe some of them. I'm about to offend some of you, so just, just prepare yourself. Here it comes. Many of you have heard of or seen and maybe even loved the show The Chosen. How many of you have seen The Chosen? Not as many as I thought. What you probably did not know is that the show, the, banker, the, the group that bankrolls that, Vintage, or the company that helped produce the show, is owned by Mormons. Now, I know several Mormons and they're very nice people. Okay, so don't, don't get that to all these Mormons. Okay. But the Mormon Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. Their teachings on the Jesus is very different than the Bible says. Now, there's also lots of Christians who are involved in producing the show. In fact, interestingly enough, the three main script consultants are a Roman Catholic priest, a Messianic rabbi, and a New Testament prophet who teaches at Biola, who used to be the New Testament prophet at Northwestern College, from which we get KWS. But see, for me, the fact that it's being produced by Mormons at least makes it very suspect. Your mileage may vary. I'm not saying don't watch it. Okay, now don't, don't go home. Internet, if somebody's watching it, don't go see a bad world and don't watch the children because there's some Mormons involved in producing. You know, I didn't say that. I said he deserves it. Okay. Let's go back to the beginning. I'm going to make it absolute. Right? That's what I brought up in the beginning. And my first answer, I'm going to have several answers to this question. My first answer is it's too soon to tell the whole story. Remember what I said before? Sometimes it takes time. Too soon. Very, very well have been a real move of God. Because I'll tell you what, 
I watched some video clips, read some reports. There was a lot of repenting of sin. There was a lot of people confessing Jesus and coming for prayer. Uh, some reported deliverance from demons. That sure sounds like what I see Jesus doing in the Bible. Right? Father, um, in the midst of all that, help us to be the same. 
of us to, on one hand, not just easily assume that everything that sort of looks spiritual or sort of looks good is, is something we should take in, but also that, that you are not to be boxed. And things that are maybe outside of our comfort zone or different styles of things or different ways people interpret certain uh, passages of Scripture that aren't completely clear. So, Father, we don't let those be caused for division or to somehow deny the work of God, but know that you're working in all sorts of interesting and powerful ways all over the world. And most of all, just to serve the difference and to make sure that everything we hear about Jesus is true about Jesus and from your spirit.